Hello, and welcome to episode number seven of Cop and Daughter. I'm Cop. And I'm Daughter. And in this episode, we are going to be discussing the Netflix, what are they called, Mm -hmm. (laughs) docu-series? So a documentary that's in a series. Uh, But the Netflix docu-series, Making a Murderer, and I haven't even looked, but this is like... This is like from 2005, his conviction, or 2007. Yeah, so the, uh, well, I don't know when the conviction took place, but the murder was 2005, and then the docuseries was 2015. Oh, it was that late after? Yeah. Okay. So uh, this is, yeah, it's been out there for a while. And yeah. there's actually a couple of seasons of this. Mm-hmm. And so, um where does the series kind of begin in terms of Steve Avery and who is he? Um, so the, I think it's like the first episode they introduced Steve Avery and the Avery family. Um, and Steve has just been released from prison because he had been falsely accused of raping and murdering a local. She wasn't murdered. She wasn't, think, it's just I the rape. Cycle, so, yeah, oh, you're right. Yeah. Cause she, she testified against yes, him. Yeah. yeah. Um, of raping a local um, female in their town. Um, and do you remember how many years he served for that one? He did like 17 or 18 17 years. or 18. Um, so he gets released from prison because they determined that he was, in fact, not the um, person who committed that crime. Um, but then shortly after being released on Halloween 2005... A female named Teresa Hallback goes missing, um, and they later uh, connect her um, disappearance and murder back to Stephen Avery. Um, And kind of the history with Stephen and his family is they've always kind of been like the kind of the black sheep of the town. Um, Just have always kind of been troublemakers, Stephen especially. He had several misdemeanors against him over the years. Um, I think one of them was like murdering a a local cat or something like that um, or lit it on fire or something. Um, So in that first case, it was really easy for them to, the police, to just kind of pin it on Avery because he had that reputation of doing things he wasn't supposed to and the... Um, sketch artist, the sketch was like similar to how Avery looked. And um, so they just went off of that and had him locked away. And so then that's kind of the discussion with this new case of, was it actually Avery or was it just law enforcement trying to pin another crime on him? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, um, I I think there's no question that in the first case he was innocent, wrongly convicted. And never lived in a small town per se, mm-hmm. um, but worked in a town where there were definitely family names yeah. that like, um, not just one, but oftentimes like multiple brothers or uncles and nephews or um, sometimes even sisters, uh, aunts, moms, that sort of thing. Like there were just families that yeah, kind of had a lot of run-ins with the law. Mm-hmm. And then I would imagine being in a small town there's probably a reputation that right, can, right. you know, and I even I didn't live in a small town, but my, my dad's from a small town in Illinois, your grandpa. And so uh, 
I do remember like as a kid hearing stories about like certain families mm-hmm. and just the tone that they would take. Yeah. Talk about those families. So that's, so, you know, it's not surprising. It's unfortunate. Uh, they clearly did not do their full due diligence in that first case. Right. Uh, but now we've got Hall, it's Hallbach, Hallbach, Hallbach. I'm not sure which Hall, one. It, Hallbach. Hallbach. I don't know. So she goes to his property to photograph a vehicle. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have a salvage yard and they sell vehicles. So there's kind of this like she is known to to be going to their property. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much the last place that she is seen. Yes. And so, um, yeah, they clearly, again, zero in on mm-hmm. Steve Avery as the suspect. And... Um, there's a lot of evidence that is found there on the property. And Stephen Avery lives in a house, and then a short distance away is like the Dassey house. Mm -hmm. And so his nephew, Brendan, lives in that house, and then Brendan's brother, Bobby, and I believe they live with their mom. Yeah. And then Stephen Avery kind of lives with his parents in their place. Yeah. And then there's maybe another cousin, a female cousin that, I don't know if she's really. Oh, is that the one that like accused him of public indecency, or is that the one you're talking about? Uh, the one that he ran off the road. Yeah. No, the one that the younger one that actually initially tells the police that Brendan confessed to her, oh, and then she gets yes. on the stand okay. and she totally yeah yeah um, retracts her her statement. Yes. So, what is what's some of the evidence that they find on the property? Um, yeah, so behind the trailers where they live is their auto or junk yeah salvage junk, yard salvage. salvage yard. Yeah, most people call it junkyard, but if you're like a car person, it's salvage because you salvage parts. Off yes. The- <laughs> um, so um, the Hallback family had created a search and rescue type of thing, and. Um, started looking around the salvage yard and one of the first pieces of evidence was finding Teresa's car kind of covered under some trees and debris and things like that. Um, And then they found um, a key inside of the key to the car inside of Avery's home. Um, They found some blood, some of Avery's blood inside the car and then human remains in the fire pit. And I think later they found a bullet with her, somewhat his or her DNA on it. Mm-hmm. I think that's, those were the big ones. Do you remember any others? Yeah. I, I mean, I think those, those are the ones that you kind of get, you see, um, you see in the docuseries. And so I think it's a, a reasonable, um, you know, there's not a, a, a real reason to to, con- to believe that she was killed anywhere but on that property, right. and that her her remains were destroyed there. Her car was kept there, um, and so yeah, so somehow that had it, she had to have died on that property. Mm-hmm. Now, a good investigation should include ruling out every other possibility, and so. Whether they do that or not, we don't see that in the docu-series. But right. it's kind of implied that they just uh, focus on Stephen Avery. And one of the things that I'm going to say is, is this trial 
I mean, took weeks. Mm-hmm. And so they're condensing down a story into a 10-part series. Right. And so just even laying the background for what happened and then covering the trial and all that, you're not going to be able to put all the information out there. Right. So there's an element of the people creating the series are going to be a little bit selective in what they put out there. Mm-hmm. Which understandable, but it also is going to have their bias. It's going to tell right. the story that they want to have told. Yeah, and um, yeah, I, 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 when you have a homicide like this, um, one of the things that that we kind of learned in investigating any kind of death, even if it looked like it was an accident, looked like it was death by suicide, uh, or it was natural causes, a medical, or something like that is you, you kind of cast a wide net. Mm-hmm. You don't get so focused on what you see and what you know, and you, you, you expand as big as you can to kind of rule things out. It's not yeah. just confirming what you believe, but it's going, okay, it could be this person. And then you work just as hard to disproving that this person couldn't have done it right. as you work to proving that the person who did it did it. And I, again, we don't know what's in the docuseries, but I'm going to say they probably did not do, and some of that could be just the fact that they're a small town. Yeah, they don't have the resources or the training. Yeah. yeah. And so so they do bring in um, outside investigators. It's they, they are aware that they've already got this guy that has been mm-hmm. convicted and, and been in jail and... So pretty early on in the investigation, they're kind of like, the local authorities cannot be investigating this. We need to bring in outside. And stupidly, (laughs) uh, they allow them to be on the scene on the premises, which in my mind, that should have never happened. Never, never happened. Yeah. So does does Stephen Avery ever admit any guilt or what's kind of his position on what happened to Teresa and all that kind of stuff. He does not ever admit he's kind of in denial of what, or not denial of what happened, but just is saying he did not do it. He maintains his innocence. And then, um, they do rely heavily on the testimony of the nephew, Brendan, Brendan. Mm -hmm. And Do you want to kind of summarize what happened with that? And yeah, um, so Brendan at the time was sixteen, and he uh, just he had a lower IQ than most, Mm -hmm. Um, and so when it came time to testimonies and things like that, um, Brendan was taken into an interrogation room. Or an inter- it was. It wasn't even an interrogation yet. It was an interview with yeah, him, right? It, yeah, and and so an interview is um, you would interview a witness. Mm-hmm. You would interview um, the a victim, mm-hmm. and you might even start an interview with a suspect. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, it kind of turns towards an interrogation where you are looking for that person to admit. And your tactics change. Instead of just kind of giving information, you start saying things like, mm-hmm. we know the facts. Why don't you share with us? That sort of thing. Yeah. So Brendan was in his interview with the officers. Uh, it was just him and, and the officers, which I think, especially as a minor, shouldn't they have a parent or a lawyer present? So it, here's the, here's every state is different. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, in Kansas, where we are, 
you can talk to a 14-year-old. You can't talk to a 13-year-old. Okay. So 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, you don't have to have a parent okay. uh, present in there. Uh, and yeah, so I, I would say legally they probably did not have to have gotcha. the, the parent present. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in the interview, you can kind of tell um, Brennan's demeanor is very not relaxed, but... He doesn't appear to be stressed or nervous or anything of that sort. In fact, he's really concerned about the fact that he's missing school. Um, I think he said he has like a paper due in sixth hour or something like that. Um, And so the police kind of start off with that. We know what happened. Why don't you tell us what happened? And um, he gives them some information that he came home and went over to Avery's shortly after getting home and participated in the bonfire and... Um, throughout the interview, the officers are kind of starting to like feed Brennan Mm -hmm. the information that they want to hear. So it was like, we know that she was shot. Where Mm -hmm. was she shot? Who shot her? Um, and Brendan doesn't really have an answer for them until they start to kind of feed the, the information to him. Um, and because he said those things, they were able to use that as evidence against Avery. Yeah. Um, but later, um, so he ends up getting charged in the case as um, basically an accomplice. He's charged with um, first-degree murder, um, man- manipulation of a corpse, and second-degree sexual assault, I think, is the charges. And so he was charged and is in prison for life. Um, but And then they show in the docu-series um, that scene, he's supposed to give, like, a written testimony. Um, and even in the written testimony, the lawyer that he's with, Brennan says one thing, and it's, I came home, I did this, then I went over and Steven, my uncle Steven had already started the bonfire. So I just joined in on the bonfire and then I went, I was home by nine or something like that. And the lawyer was pushing for, there's more details in there. You need to write those down. And again, was like feeding Brennan the information to write on the page and telling him what images to draw of what things looked like. Um, So it's a little bit up in the air of like, what happened and what was just being fed to Brennan Yeah, throughout those situations. So I'll just have, I'll put you on the spot here a little bit and see if you have the same recollection as, as I do. But I feel like I told you girls growing up, if you were ever interviewed by the police, I gave you some advice. Do you remember what that was? Uh, <laughs> the thing that comes to mind was just to never answer questions until I had a like a lawyer present or something. Um, yeah, and this is this is an exact yeah. What, what I'm what I would say, and that's where um, again, uh, I I don't want to come from a standpoint of cops being corrupt or anything mm-hmm. like that because I don't necessarily believe that in this case. I don't I don't right. think they necessarily were corrupt. Right. I think they got so narrow minded and so focused on something mm-hmm. that they didn't cast that wide net and do it appropriately. But this is why I was like, don't talk to the police. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think you're being helpful. You think you're being, and 
you really should have a lawyer present Mm -hmm. and a lawyer will guide you as to, you know, when to answer, when not to answer, how much information to give and not to give. And Mm -hmm. that would be my advice to anybody is like, and that's the thing is, is, and I think across the board, this is just one of those things that law enforcement has not done well because we have Miranda rights, Miranda Mm -hmm. versus Arizona and the idea of uh, the fifth amendment, you have a right to not Mm self-incriminate and, um, and so, um, in other words, you have a right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you cannot afford attorney, attorney will be, uh, and then the very last line that when you're reading Miranda is actually like, uh, do you, are you willing to waive your rights and talk to me? Mm-hmm. And I just think in, in most cases, especially with kids, especially with not, you know, people with lower IQs or just aren't as savvy when it comes to all that kind of stuff. They just think, well, I'm going to talk to the police because that's what I'm supposed to do. Right. And so, again, they can't show everything in that docuseries, but from what I saw, that admission and that whole process was just terrible. Yeah. I I mean, it really was. And so um, I I don't necessarily – I think – I think Brendan was probably involved with this. Mm-hmm. I think Stephen was probably involved, but I do think Brendan was giving them answers to things that they wanted to hear. Right. And I think to a certain degree he was lying. Mm-hmm. And so he was, he's not good enough to come up with like an alibi right. or, a, or a, you know, this is what we did and stick to yeah. his story. Yeah. So, yeah. So Brendan, that to me is just not good. Yeah. That is not good. And I am, I am somewhat surprised that a defense attorney couldn't have, you know, really argued that. Mm-hmm. And that even a judge wouldn't have been picked up on it or picked up yeah. and even just said, this is, this is not appropriate. And mm-hmm. again, I'm not saying you throw the whole thing out, but man, their entire case really was kind of dependent yeah. on that confession. And you know, they talk about slitting her throat mm-hmm. and there's not really blood everywhere. Right. Now, if Stephen had told Brendan to slit her throat and he had a knife and he went across her neck, I'm guessing he's not going to put, he's not angry at her. He's not wanting to kill her. Right. So he's not going to slit her throat in the way. Right. So she could have a, you could cut the skin on your neck. Right. And, and there wouldn't not, be significant blood and you yeah. wouldn't. So... Yeah, so that that to me is one of the things that really kind of stood out in this, mm-hmm. and I just feel for that poor <laughs> poor yeah. kid because even if he was guilty of something, I don't think it was murder, right? So yeah. I don't know if that's I don't want to put words in your mouth, but no, I that his whole situation is just like it just makes me sad that yeah. you know he clearly was not uh, he was just very impressionable and had not been taught how to handle a situation like that. So I just think regardless of what he is or isn't guilty of, he just wasn't given a fair shot of, um, like, I, I don't know that he deserves life in prison with parole in 2048 as a 16-year-old yeah. that, you know, just wasn't, again, there wasn't malicious intent there. I think it was an impressionable he was doing what his uncle was telling right. him to do if he participated at all. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, 
so then, you know, kind of the underlying piece in all of this is that Stephen Avery was framed by the police. Mm-hmm. Well, if he was framed, she's still dead. Right. So somebody else had to do it. Right. And I think, um, you know, the prosecutor in that, the, the, the district attorney, you know, his, basically his argument is that if, if he was framed and he was framed by the police, basically the implication is that the police would have had to kill her and plant that evidence, mm-hmm. which is pretty far-fetched. Right. Not saying it's impossible. Right. Just not very likely because um, she was last seen on that property. Nobody, the police didn't know she was going to be on that property. Mm-hmm. And so for them to kill her and then plant her body on it, on that land, it would have, there there would, all these things would have to fall into place in terms of like, they knew she was going to be there. Mm -hmm. They snatch her up, they kill her. They know that he has this bonfire. They incinerate her body to the point that it's unrecognizable. Yeah. And then they plant that there. Yeah. So not, not, not real likely. Uh, what was, so we mentioned earlier that there was a key that was found. Mm-hmm. What was kind of some of the issues with the key? Um, if I remember correctly, the initial search, the key wasn't spotted. Yeah, it wasn't visible or re- quickly recognized right. as being um, there. And then when they returned to the scene to do an additional search of the room where the killing took place, the key was found. Um, and so that's a big... Um, topic of discussion as well was the key planted there by police officers or did they really just miss it miss it the first time they went through the room yeah and I think you and I have talked briefly about like that's definitely something that could have been planted there by police officers Um, but then when you look at it kind of like what you were saying earlier, when you look at it with all the rest of the other details, like that's not so likely that everything else was planted. Yeah. Well, and what, who, who ultimately found the key? Do you remember? I don't. So the key is ultimately found by somebody from the Manitowoc Sheriff's Department. Oh yes. Yeah. So here's a guy that's not even supposed to be on On scene scene. Mm -hmm. and then he ends up finding the key. Yeah. And to me, that's just, I mean, that's just bad. And, And here's the other thing. Out of all the stuff that I think is plausible, he could have done that. Mm-hmm. Like to me, that's one of those things where it's like he comes across the key somewhere, whether yeah. it's still in the vehicle or it's somewhere else in the house, and then he he drops it there. And regard anyway, regardless, um, that was just bad police work. Mm-hmm. Uh, not seeing it in the first place, and then having it be found by somebody that's not even supposed to be right. on scene and. One of the things that I was sharing with you earlier is that anytime you go to court and anytime as a police officer, you do an investigation and you're on the stand, they are going to find something to pick apart. Mm -hmm. And they really zero in on that Mm -hmm. in the the docuseries. And that's just kind of par for the course. You're going to have something when you are testifying that they pick apart. And there's probably a good chance that something that you did was not exactly the way it should have been done. And so 
a good defense lawyer is going to to do that. So yeah. I to me even just throw the key out and the fact that her remains are on that property. Right. Her car is there. Right. Um and again, not not impossible, but not totally probable. Yes. <laughs> so anything that you want to touch on in terms of the evidence or anything that we've no, I think evidence-wise, it was we hit it all. Okay, and so you know, she's she was shot in, I think, in the garage is what they're implying. is what they're saying, yeah, because yeah. the of the bullets found in there. Yeah. So, and I, I don't. I, there's bullets, and then there's shell casings. So, oh yes. So you have a casings. bullet that's got casings, gunpowder, and then the actual projectile that comes out of that. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I do know they found. Um the casings in the garage. Right. I don't know if they, did they find the projectile? I don't remember one way or the other. I think it was just the casings. And then the, it was like in her autopsy, there were things in her skull that um, confirmed that there had been some sort of trauma to. So, yeah. And a a bullet definitely leaves a unique, especially if it goes through the skull, Mm -hmm. it leaves a very unique, um, Pattern or pattern on the skull to yeah. the point where, like, you can tell which way it's traveling mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing. And again, we don't get a lot of that in there. I've never looked at the autopsy, right? And and even that, an autopsy is a loose term because they have fragments of a. Of a it's not a whole, yeah. Yeah. So, um, they find evidence in the car. Mm-hmm. Avery's blood is in there. I think her blood is in in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's some discussion about that being planted. And they right. even have drawn, they had drawn Avery's blood related to that previous case yes. that was kept in evidence. And the defense was trying to say that they removed that blood. There was like a hole in the vial that. Well, there's always going to be a hole in that vial. Well, that, but that the, was part of the argument was yeah. that it had been tampered. Like you could see the tampering on the outside of the the container it was kept in. And mm-hmm. then at the top of the vial, there was a tiny little hole that someone was implying it had been taken out of the yeah. vial and planted. But there's there's a chemical agent that keeps blood from, you know, coagulating. Uh-huh. And so uh, the FBI said that that chemical was not present in that blood that they had, had done there. So... Um, so yeah, so uh, to me, um, I believe she died on that property. I think Brendan's confession is terrible. I think the evidence supports that she died there. Uh, so we kind of arrive at this place of, well, if Stephen Avery didn't do it, then who did? Mm -hmm. Like somebody has to do it. Right. We, I think it's. I think it's reasonable to say that you would really have to, a lot of things would have had to have happened for the police to have done that, which just don't seem plausible. But there is a person that Stephen Avery's current defense, Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's, I think her name is Zellner. Yeah. So his attorney Zellner is, is saying that there's new evidence out there. And one of the things she has to now do uh, to be effective at, at creating some doubt over Stephen Avery is to point to another suspect. Right. Who is she now saying? Uh, the other nephew of Stephen Avery, Bobby Dassey. Yeah. So Bobby Dassey, 
um, is seen pushing her vehicle on the property at some point by a witness. Mm-hmm. Uh, he surely could have been present there. Well, he was in the first, like in the first trial, he goes to stand and is, um, you know, given witness. I think he was leaving for a hunting trip is what it was. And he was seen outside the home around the time that Teresa Hallback arrived. Um, and I don't remember how they ended up like ruling it out that it wasn't him, but, um, it had definitely been proposed in the first trial. And now they're trying to say like, they have evidence that he for sure was seen with her car after the fact. Yeah. And so, like you said, we don't know, like, but it doesn't appear that he's interrogated to the degree that Brendan was. Right. He was not. Now, for all we know, he may have lawyered up. Right. He may have said, I'm not talking. Right. Or, I, you know, he may have been good enough to stick to his story. He mm-hmm. was believable. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a timeline. He had an alibi and that sort of thing. So this leads me to kind of at a place where I think all three men. Probably had a part in it. Had a part in it. Yeah. And here's the other thing I want to know. That again, haven't done a ton of research on it. We're limited by the docu series, but I, again, I'm I'm kind of coming from this as as a police officer, mm-hmm. and just like, boy, I hope they did more than what's yeah. <laughs> presented. But she gets she ends up being shot, and he's out go, getting ready to go hunting. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, if he's pheasant hunting, he would have had a shotgun and not a rifle or a handgun, but. They don't really even talk about a gun or uh, where the gun was or, or anything right. yeah. like that. So I find that like very interesting as to like what is the cali- – I mean because you can – one of the things you can do is you can match a gun to a bullet that's been fired out of that gun. Right. Like the bullets will have very similar um, markings on them from how they're hit with the firing pin mm-hmm. to how they travel down that – the barrel out of the gun. Mm-hmm. And so – yeah, I think he is a reasonable suspect, but yeah. I'm guessing it doesn't eliminate Brendan or Avery or Avery. Yeah, and I, I, the other thing is, is what do you think? What do you think? And and again, I'm not necessarily saying that you're going to know the answer to this, but what do you think people talk about when they're in prison with each other? How to get away with, or how they did get away with crimes, or tried to? Yeah, I think yeah. one of the things that they talk about is. Crimes that they've committed with each other, mm-hmm. uh, or not with each other. They talk to each other about crimes that they've committed. Right. And sometimes I think there's, even in that, I think guys tell stories that aren't true because yeah. they want to look tougher or meaner mm-hmm. than they really are. Uh, but I, I do think that there's conversations about this is how you get away with it. Yeah. And I think Stephen Avery certainly got, like, had those conversations the first time he was yeah. in prison. Yeah. And, um, and so I think, you know, there was an element of, he felt like he, and they, I'm, I'm totally, this is just conjecture on my part. This is speculation, mm-hmm. but I think he's like, I did 18 years for something I didn't do. I'm going to do something yeah to make up for the, t- the, <laughs> the time, time that, that, yeah. yeah, that he was in there. The other thing is, is I'm not so sure that Stephen Avery didn't like being in prison. Mm-hmm. He has a place to sleep. Yep. They feed him. He doesn't really. You don't. If you if you are and I don't know Stephen Avery. Right. I don't know what kind of person he is, but 
if you're not somebody that likes to work and all yeah. you care about is a bed and eating and watching TV and yeah. playing ping pong or lifting weights or something like that, then don't get me wrong. Prison would be terrible. Right. But people get what they call institutionalized, where they're more comfortable being there mm-hmm. than they are being out. Yeah. Um, and uh, the movie Shawshank Redemption kind of touches on that that mm-hmm. topic a little bit. Um, but I, I even think he was just more comfortable being in prison uh, than not. Yeah. And I don't think he wanted to go back to prison per se, but I think it was that if I can get away with this, cool. But if I don't get away with it, well, then I can just perpetuate this story of I'm an innocent man. Yeah. They've got it out for me. Yeah. Uh, that sort of a thing. So uh, I guess there is a, a trial. There, to, I don't know be, if they're, they're trying to get another trial um, okay. with that new evidence about Bobby Dassey. Yeah. Um, and that kind of what I've read in the articles is like, they're not necessarily trying to get another person convicted. They're they don't just, have to. Right. They're just trying to prove yeah. Avery's innocence yeah. in or the situation. create a reasonable doubt. Yes. Because in order for there to be Avery to not to do it and for Brendan not to do it, you've got to have somebody else to point the finger at. Mm-hmm. And then the burden ultimately comes on what we refer to as the state. It's the state's burden to find who did do this. Yeah. Um, and so that is definitely the approach um, that they have taken. So anything about this series or Stephen Avery or any of it that you wanted to talk to that we haven't? hit on at all i think from for me it's just like gosh i think i watched this series like all the way through probably like two years ago and mm-hmm. then you and i just sat down and kind of like flipped through it to yeah. revisit it but i remember the first time i watched it um it kind of goes back to that bias that you mentioned earlier i definitely finished that series and was like i don't know what to believe right. because the way that they filmed it, it absolutely seems like Avery could be innocent again mm-hmm. and that he was framed. Yeah. But then when, you know, talking to you, someone who is involved with law enforcement and has seen it for years and years and years, the way that they try to frame Avery, whoever like if, how, if they were to have framed, if him. they were to have framed him, it's just the way that the evidence lines up and it just doesn't make sense that it wouldn't, that Avery wouldn't have been involved somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's been something for me that like you kind of have to wrestle with of like, um, you know, unless he came out and said, or they had some sort of new evidence, mm-hmm. you're really never going to know what really happened yeah. that night. And that, to me, is just like hard to like grapple with. I think that's the word to yeah. use, but um, it's just like even like you know so many things, but then it's still like just kind of that doubt. Like I don't know that I don't still have doubt in my mind that it could have been someone else, or someone else could have been involved, or something like that. Um. So, yeah. Yeah. So I guess, and then like, um. What what do you think when Netflix puts this series together? 
and they put this out there, what do you think their motivation is? I think with this series, it was to get people to believe that he was framed again. So you do think they their purpose was justice and yeah. his innocence? Yeah. So you don't think it, there's entertainment value well, or them no, making money? I, I do think there is. I do. And that's, I've, I've struggled with that a little bit. Um, watching true crime documentaries because there have been a couple made in recent years that like were made without the permission of the family mm-hmm. of the victim. Yeah, there's a lot of that in there. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, even us doing this. I mean, right. Um, and so it's just there's things like that where it's like I find some of this fascinating or intriguing. There's just that entertainment purpose of mm-hmm. of it all, and it's um. Yeah, like in this situation, was it just entertainment? Was it entertainment and justice? Was it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, because I, I mean, my feeling is, is um, again, they have to pick and choose what they put in that docu series because they only have so much time. Even with a ten part series, ten hours. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, I think it was. Oh, it's season... Season one. Season one is 10 and season two. Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. So even with just a single season of 10 hours, mm-hmm. I mean, you're literally talking about two days in court is 16 hours. Yeah. So it doesn't even come close You to- know, every day that they were doing an investigation, you're talking about... I mean, their investigation was probably 10, 12, 14, 16 hour days. I mean, mm-hmm. it was... So you're literally talking about from the time that... You know, well, if you even go back... To, to telling his backstory. Yeah. You know, you're talking, clo- I mean, you could be uh, uh, approaching thousands of hours. Mm-hmm. And so, so I get that, but they definitely filter it through a lens of his innocence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, this is the other, the other part of all this to me too, is if, if you watch this series and you decide that Stephen Avery is innocent and you, your way of responding to that is we're going to go to the courthouse and we're going to carry signs and declare his innocence. You're not doing due justice either. Mm-hmm. Just as much as I think police officers who get paid to do this have a responsibility to cast a wide net, rule every scenario out. Mm-hmm. And again, I think more of that occurs than what they show. But I think you don't just grab a sign and just run to the courthouse. Like, look at all the evidence. Like, because that stuff is mm-hmm. public record to a degree. So if you're mm-hmm. really that passionate, which his lawyer, I'm sure, is doing. I mean, right. she's she's doing right. that. And I think that's kind of what, what you know, on the other side of this, talking to people when this was popular and, and thinking that cops are just bad and mm-hmm. they do that kind of stuff. I, it, that, to me, is very, very frustrating. Yeah. Um, media, all that kind of stuff only knows part of the story. And and I've experienced that myself where mm-hmm. I remember seeing things on the news where I was a primary investigator or a lead officer on something and they have to put out a snippet, you know, mm-hmm. just a um things to catch people's attention and they don't know all the things that right. you do right to arrive at where you're at and uh, the other thing that drives me, you know, and 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 even in that there are reports that weren't written mm-hmm. that probably should have been written. You know, I think about the guy that gets the phone call. Uh, he's working in the jail and he gets a call from another detective saying, hey, we think the guy that you got in jail is not the suspect. And then yeah. he just passes that along. Yeah. Okay. Do you, Are you required to make a report on that or not? Maybe, maybe not. But 
knowing what I know now and having done the job as long as I did, I, that's something I would document. Mm-hmm. I would document that. I would make a supervisor sign off on it. I would have a permanent record of, I got a phone call from this person on this date stating this because then I can go. <laughs> I did what I could. Yeah. 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 And and again, I, I, I do think people get, you know, when you work a case and you get a conviction, you get so you know, wrapped up in that, that you don't want to be accused of being wrong mm-hmm. or doing something uh, that you shouldn't have done or not done something you should have or, you know. So, yeah, I I think one of the things that, you know, we talk about the world of policing and, and, and where we're in is I think there was a long history of cops getting the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. And even operating from a standpoint of, well, I'm the authority, I'm the cop, people aren't going to question me. Yeah. And in all of this, I think one of the good things to come about is that, um, you know, we have social media, cameras, phones are everywhere. Yeah. Uh, I think there's nothing wrong with people who have the right to take somebody's freedom away Mm -hmm. and even put together a case against somebody for their life to be Mm -hmm. taken uh, and again, there's, I mean, there are across the country, there are homicides that happen every day. Yeah. And so, um, not everyone is going to be scrutinized to this extent, uh, but officers really should be doing their job from mm-hmm. the standpoint that they do put that time and that effort into it. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I don't really have anything else. Yeah, if you don't have anything else all we've either. Got. So yeah, very, very interesting case. And I I do hope that justice is done. I know mm-hmm. sadly it doesn't always happen that way. I think yeah. the majority of the time it happens that way. And um hopefully we're headed towards uh our legal system doing a better job of convicting people that are guilty and not convicting people. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are innocent. And even as I say that, I really would hope that the media (laughs) wouldn't (laughs) try to put a bias out there. So anyway, all right. Well, good discussion. Yeah. Uh, We appreciate you listening. If you made it this far, uh, thank you. I'm cop. And I'm daughter. And until next time, stay safe. Public to help find him. We should know for you. You may find this footage disturbing.